Being born in the 80s, it really wasn't until probably about the early 90s to mid 90s that I started to realize that companies who had multiple divisions would build cars off of each other. I didn't know what it was called at the time, you know, being as young as I was and not really being 100% into the automotive world. But I wondered, why is there a Pontiac Transport and a Chevrolet Lumina? And really, there's a caravan, town and country, and Voyageur. I know these are just minivans, but I started to notice it amongst vehicles too, like Dynasty, New Yorker, Ford. Taurus, Mercury Sable. Hell, it was happening all around us. I didn't know what it was until the day I finally learned why companies did it and what it was called. Platform building. That's what we'll be talking about today. Autoworks.net Autopod, streaming day or night, coming right at you, right here, right now. Welcome back to the AutoLooks.net podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J, talking to you from our host website, AutoLooks.net. If you haven't been there, go and check it out and check out what we have to offer the automotive world. And we'd also like to give a big thanks out to Podbeam.com. They helped us get out to multiple streaming sites, from iTunes to Samsung Music to Pandora and Spotify. We are there streaming on all of those services. So thank you, Podbeam, and thanks for getting us out there. So today I wanted to take a look at platform building. Yeah, we all know why platform building's around. You know, it's companies to, to save money by building different products in the exact same line. In the world of tomorrow, this is essentially going to be everything from a production line and be even single source down to one platform. But where did it come from and why is it so prevalent in major auto corporations? Well, money. In the end, it's all money. Okay, well, I guess this is the shortest podcast of all time. Two and a half minutes. No. It has to do with money, but it also has to do with hitting specific markets that are in high demand with every division you have. Now, for companies from elsewhere in the world, not a lot of them have multiple divisions. You have the big three, you have Volkswagen, Peugeot, Toyota has two divisions. Like, there's not a lot with multiple, multiple divisions. We do get it, there's massive conglomerates out there, but to the extent of General Motors, Ford and Chrysler, and Volkswagen, not ones that own as many car companies as they have. So why is platform building so popular? for them. Well, like I said in the beginning, look at the Pontiac Transport and Chevrolet Lumina. I remember seeing so many of those transports out running around. That's because Pontiac was a big label at the time. They had a Chevy counterpart for the people in the Chevrolet stable. Companies do this because they know that some people may be tied to one specific division of your company. And when you have multiple divisions across multiple different status quos of the automotive world, isn't it just cheaper to have their lineups consisting of nearly the exact same product, just in different forms? Some platforms are done and you can tell right away that they're the exact same product. And some of them even cross different companies. Like, who out there would look at an Eagle Talon and a Mitsubishi Eclipse and say, oh, those are, I would never guess they were built on the same platform. Like, come on, two different companies, for God's sakes, with cars built on the same platform. Companies that do this, outsider companies working together with another one, do this because they want to enter the market and they don't want to hit the market with only their product. So they find it cheaper to hit a market with low volume dual purpose most current form of that is the bmw z4 in the toyota super built off the exact same platform yeah they may have different designs different logos but really when it comes down to it engines are very similar to each other and the whole underpinning you only had to design one platform underneath of it it's just sheet metal on top the actual bones inside the vehicle that hold it all together are the same but it's a low volume market and bmw couldn't go it alone and toyota couldn't go alone so they teamed up and decided to share platforms to do this but big divisions do this all the time general motors 
Ford, and Chrysler were all famous for it. And they try and do it with different markets. Hell, they even try and enter different markets with products from the same platform. Cadillac Camaron and Chevrolet Cavalier. Same thing. But Cadillac wanted to enter the small car market. They thought there might be, you know, some actual sales volume in small cars. They thought wrong because, well, we all know what happened to the Cadillac. But then again, someone will look at it as maybe we can make more money off this platform. The Corvette is a low volume product. So why, why did they put the Cadillac XLR onto the exact same platform? They made it a Corvette with a tuxedo. Something that Chrysler had thought about doing with the Viper by bringing up the firepower for Chrysler. Fortunately, that didn't go through and Chrysler never got a Halo car. But the Corvette had its own tuxedo counterpart, the Cadillac XLR, and completely different skins on them. Completely. You never know they're built at the same platform. Similar to that as the Mitsubishi Eclipse and the Chrysler Sebring Coupes or Dodge Avenger Coupes. Same. People share them. It may not always look exactly the same. Some companies just do it to get into the market quick. And some companies just do it because they know people go to separate divisions, like General Motors. Let's look at the minivan craze in the late 90s. We had the Chevy Venture, Pontiac Montana, and Oldsmobile Silhouette. Well, they didn't have a Buick version of it in North America until the Terrazzo came out in the next generation, or Saturn one. And Cadillac, well, nobody drives luxury minivans. <laughs> it's big in Asia, but it wasn't big in North America. So they knew they didn't have to hit that part of the market. But the Venture, the Montana, and the Silhouette, you could tell they were all the same product. You could tell they just added plastic body cladding and changed the grill for the Pontiac. They just changed the grill and gave it more of a upper class feel to the Oldsmobile. Some will actually go about it and just change a grill and lights. Ford F-150, Lincoln Mark LT pickup truck. Different lights, box rails, and a different grill. There's not a whole heck of a lot much different than an F-150 Platinum to the Mark LT. But they thought they'd give a whirl to the truck market since the Cadillac Escalade, which counterpart is the Chevrolet Avalanche. Full-size CUT, crossover utility truck. Check out the podcast on crossover utility trucks from autolook.net podcast. Same things. One was more luxurious, and people liked it because people liked the Escalade name, and some of those people wanted to tow stuff around. They weren't willing to buy the Chevrolet Avalanche because it had way too much plastic body cladding on it. One of those fads from the from the 90s that uh, were glad went away. But you move into the next generation. Chevrolet Uplander, Pontiac Montana, Buick Terraza, and Saturn Relay. Put all of them next to each other, and it's basically the grill and bumper on the front of them. Headlights are the same, fog lights are the same. They barely did anything, but they knew that the minivan market was so big, they needed all of their great brands to have vehicles in those categories. So they did it. Similar to Volkswagen have the Rutan built off the Caravan Town & Country platform. They wanted to get into that market, so they asked Dodge for some help. They don't want to build it full scale because they didn't think this vehicle would only live one generation because by 2009, the minivan craze was really heading out the door. So they wanted in. Hyundai and Kia did this with the Entourage and the Sedona. Yes, Hyundai had a minivan at one point in time. The Kia Sedona has now morphed into the Kia Car Carnival in North America, and but Hyundai wanted to be there. Because Hyundai thought, oh, this is a market that still has potential. We want to be there. We want to make money off of it. And they made the two look different than each other because Hyundai wanted to be differentiated from Kia. There's a lot of vehicles on both product stables that are built up the exact same platforms. Come on. Hyundai Accent, Kia Rio, Sonata, Elantra. So the Sonata goes with the Optima and the Elantra goes with the Forte. They all picked apart each other and used each other to build counterpart vehicles. Hell, even the short-lived Kia Borrego had a Hyundai counterpart 
as the Hyundai Ver Cruz. So they all have their counterparts. They all want a platform built. They all want to make money off of that market. But they don't want to put too much emphasis on differentiating the products. In this case, they did. GM's case, they didn't. Same with Chrysler, in Town and Country and Caravan, and Ford, the Mercury Villager, and the Nissan Quest. Yeah, eventually the Mercury Villager also shared it with the Ford Windstar. And they were pretty much the exact same product. Look at a Sable and a Taurus. Not much different. They just wanted to hit all the marks with all the products. This is essentially the reason why Plymouth was killed off. You can lose brand identity by having products that look exactly the same as another brand. General Motors was big, but maybe if they switched the designs of their products, they wouldn't have had as much trouble during the 2008 crisis. Because they had too many products that looked exactly the same, and by that time, people are starting to realize they're exactly the same. I'm not going to pay a premium to get a Buick version of a Chevrolet. And I really don't care about the performance level in that Pontiac compared to a Chevrolet. They're the same damn thing. That is what killed Plymouth and Mercury. Mercury was supposed to be the premium brand between Ford and Lincoln, but got phased out because it, it had lost its identity. By the end, Mercury had its own counterparts to the Escape, Explorer, and Windstar. Oh, and Taurus. Hell, they even had one for the Ford Fusion. And the Fusion and the Milan. The Milan did give the aspect of premium brand. But then again, you have to remember that Lincoln isn't a full-scale luxury brand. So they were able to get rid of their brand all over the context that it was too similar. Platform building was working, but when you create products on a platform that all look the exact same, no, that doesn't work. Go back to the beginning of the automobile. Henry Ford had his Model T, and it came in many different forms, all off the same platform. So they used that platform for trucks, coupes, convertibles, hatchback. They called them sedans, but really they're hatchbacks. It was built on the same platform, but that's because that platform was able to do everything that they wanted it to do. Similar to how today, where you get a Mazda 3 and a Mazda CX-3, or the CX-30 now. One has more ground clearance to go off-road, and one's built for the streets. So it was there at the beginning. A lot of car companies did that. Chevrolet was famous for recreating its cars on the exact same platform. But that was the beginning of the vehicle. Hell, even look at trucks. Trucks didn't really get their own platform and own identity, really, until you get into the 40s. They started branching out. But they were still able to build body-on-frame vehicles off all the exact same platforms. We're heading back into that form of platform building. Being able to utilize a standard skateboard platform for electric vehicles, you'll be able to have your sedan, wagon, CUV, and hell, even trucks built off the exact same platform. It saves so much money, and you can now hit so many different segments with that platform. Will this actually stay to us that sports cars, coupes, and convertibles may be coming back? Hell, it'll make, reduce the cost of creating wagons, because now all it is is an extra bit of sheet metal on the back of it. So it can really be utilized in the electric world. So the original automobile industry is eventually going to become the new automobile industry. They're going to form back together to the original platform builds, unlike what we saw in the 50s and 60s. Especially in the 50s when you had vehicles that looked identical to each other, but just different names and different, they were being sold at different price points. Go back and check our podcasts on autolux.net podcast about the divisions of the big three, and you'll understand. That's how the automobile industry used to work. That's how China is essentially working right now. Multiple divisions to hit every single price point. But 
Mercury was killed off because Ford was able to handle that premium price. Hell, they were even able to handle the premium appeal with some of their products. So they didn't need it. They didn't need that platform anymore. Having a different name, different badges, and those tiny little quirks of difference between the two platforms wasn't enough to keep it around. So Ford got rid of that platform. They kept the platform because the Escape soon merged in with the MXC from Lincoln. Hell, we still know an Expedition and a Navigator are the same thing. Same platforms, same form. See, sometimes you can have a platform where the vehicles look very similar. But by doing that, making them so similar, you can have, as I call, the GM complex. Where you get too lazy to differentiate your products and eventually customers will come back and bite you and state that I don't want to buy that because it's the exact same as that. I'm not going to Pontiac Division, I want my Chevrolet. But back in the 50s and 60s and even into the early 70s, brand loyalty for select divisions was big. So you can make vehicles on the same platform that look the exact same and sell them to people. I'm a Dodge guy. I don't want to own a Plymouth. You know, I want to go downtown and buy a Mercury or two. I don't want to buy a Ford. There were people that had that mentality. There's still people like that, but it was a lot bigger back then. How many times have you driven behind somebody who's driving a Jeep Wrangler and they have a picture, that little Calvin, and he's pissing on the Dodge logo? I'm looking at them laughing. I'm like, do they not realize they're under the exact same company? It may not be the same platforms or form, but it's the same freaking money and they're attached to it. Like, come on. Platforms can be utilized to make money. When it all comes down to it, they make money for car companies. They make it easy to get products out quick to the market, especially when the market's blowing up. Look at the CUV market when it blew up. General Motors had Equinox, Torrent, all together. You had the Trailblazer, GMC Envoy, and the Oldsmobile Bravado, which eventually became the, the Saab 9.4. Like, they wanted to hit the market with every single division they had. So they utilized an already built platform to capitalize on it. And that's essentially platform in a nutshell. You're utilizing what you already have and you capitalize on it. The only thing is, is that some companies decide to change those platforms constantly. And not every single platform is as good as its predecessor. Look at the platform that underpinned the Chrysler Concorde, Eagle Vision, and Dodge Intrepid. Those first ones. Originally designed to be rear-wheel drive too, but they're front-wheel drive. And cab-forward design and the motors they used in those things were amazing. They were great cars. Switch over to the Dodge Intrepid platform and it just goes crap. And then they changed to the Dodge Charger platform. But you have to remember, before the Intrepid, they had the Dynasty New Yorker platform. You know, they keep changing the underpinnings. That's odd, is when you get a platform that works so well, why would you need to change it? Toyota is still using the same platform for the Camry as when they changed, changed it over in the late 80s. The Corolla goes all the way back to the 80s. Same platform. And the engines are even similar. And now they've utilized that platform for the RAV4. And now the Corolla Cross. They're utilizing those platforms that have been around for so long. And instead of building a brand new design product with a new name, trying to market it and trying to get people to buy into it, they utilize the platform that has worked so well for them in the past and change the sheet metal. Isn't that what I originally said? Underneath the skin of a Supra and a Z4, you'll find the exoskeleton platform of the exact same vehicle. They're the same. So, like I said, if it works right, why are you changing it? Why do you think Dodge has actually kept the Charger platform the same? It made good money for them and is still making good money for them, even though the sedan market has disappeared. They don't want to change it. And they don't need to change that platform because it has gone through over 20 years of viability. And meanwhile, a lot of other companies are constantly changing it, which means you have to constantly redesign the amount of money and effort that has to go into redesigning the entire platform to sustain a new engine.
engine, new products. Hell, even if you're using an old engine, you still have to build it around it and make sure you get the platform right. That's why one of my rules when you buy vehicles is never buy it in the first three years. The first year is when all the problems arise with a new platform. Year two, you start getting the remainder of those quirks popping out. And year three is when all the recalls and that start happening for those plus that years. Unless it's still running with the same engine, same platform, but different sheet metal, you have to abide by the rule of three. Wait three years. Because even though I look out my door and I see the Ford Bronco Sport, which is built off Ford Escape platform, just essentially beefed up a bit more, and see how well they're doing and how less it's been recalled like the Bronco sibling. But remember what I said, the Bronco is a brand new platform. You may not say it's new because it comes off the Ford Ranger platform, but that's the new Ford Ranger, which is still going through all of its quirks. And they had to change that platform extensively to make sure the Bronco and its off-road ability doesn't shatter what a Ranger does. They needed that platform to work for them. And it didn't. I myself, when I bought my RAV4, I bought a 2020 and I get it. That was a brand new design. The only thing I was wary about with the whole thing, because it's still the same platform as the original. So the same engines as the original. The only thing they did change is they changed to the 8-speed transmission. It's been out for a couple of years. It's the first time going into a RAV, but it's still essentially a newer product. So there could be issues with it. And that's the only problem I had. Because I knew the underpinnings of that go to the Corolla, which date all the way back to the 80s. So as long as everything else coincides with that original platform that's sitting underneath of it, the vehicle is going to be good. To the GM effect, the GM effect really was big in the 90s. A lot of car companies did, as I call the GM effect, built the exact same looking vehicles with very minute differentiations between them, only because people are still buying based on divisions and price points. But when the, the buying public starts to realize that they're exactly the same, you start to lose interest in both divisions and products. And without any major changes between all of them, you get lost in the crowd. Because when they start seeing all four of those products taking up 50% of the mall, and then you're walking to your minivan, you're walking to, let's say, your Hyundai Entourage, because there weren't a lot of them, and you notice that 50% of this parking lot is GM minivans. Number one, GM did really good. It managed to gain more people than Hyundai in sales. But number two, they had to do it with multiple divisions. So it proves they can build whatever platform they want, but they need more multiple divisions to get them out. Utilizing a platform from a Toyota, or let's go full scale, utilizing a platform from a Dahatsu, a Toyota, a Subaru, and a Lexus, the only ones that'll coincide with each other could be Subaru. But even that, Subaru has a completely different underpinning than Toyota's. So they differentiate in different parts of the status symbol. People had trouble buying into the Buick Terrazzo due to the fact that it's more premium inspired chrome accents and different grill are the only things that differentiated away from the Saturn Relay or the Chevrolet Uplander. When you look at it you know, very quickly, you think it's some, one of the other products. And because Chevrolet is more a bigger name than Buick or Pontiac or even Saturn, the first thing that comes to mind is the Chevrolet. You look at your friend, he pulls up, spends all this extra money to get the Buick Terrazzo off the exact same platform that yours is built on. It's supposed to be better. They roll up and you go, why'd you buy an Uplander? I'm like, no, it's a Buick. Oh, it looks like an Uplander. That is when you lost the market. So did platform building really help you out in the end? Not really. And like I said, only when you can create that mass differentiation between the products will you 
ever get that platform to work across multiple brands. So if platform building is out there to save us money on development costs, then let's develop it correctly and not just make the exact same product with different grills. A platform is there to aid you with multiple markets, not aid you in money. So if you think as a GM effect thought, as you're just going after the money, not the actual marketplaces, then you'll be lost. So in the end, platform building is great. It's been used since the dawn of the automobile. When Henry Ford first started manufacturing, high manufacturing of the Model T, a lot of people started to take notice and saw that he built all of his vehicles off a singular platform. And today, with new electric makers coming out, this is going to be so much easier to do this. Look, Tesla has two. Two skateboards. They just changed the different sizes of them. You have the Model S and Model X, the Model 3, and the Model Y. But look what you can create off of those platforms. Rivian's got the R1T and the R1S. But could they make a two-door off-road vehicle to go up against a Wrangler? Could he utilize that platform and maybe tone down the suspension and make it in? Eh? The world is endless when it comes to platform building. And that is why it's used all over the place. Because building a singular model off a singular platform is costly. And unless you have a specific niche that you're hitting, a high volume car just won't work on its own. Hence, the reason why the Chrysler 200 is gone. Mitsubishi pulled the Galant, so the 200 didn't have a stable name. So in the end, if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment on any of the social feeds that you find us on or that you use to get messages and information out to the world. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your workplace. Try it out and maybe some Somebody will like it as well. Somebody will be inspired to tell you what they know about platform designs and what goes through it. And then after that, stop by the website. Stop by autolooks.net. Take a look at some of our automotive ratings. Take a look at our Corporate Links website page. Hell, you want to find out all of the places that Ford are sold. Every single country, you can find a link to that page on our website. If you really want to go digging through Google, go ahead. But it's all there on Autolux. So, from myself, Everett J, and the whole Autolux team here, strap yourself in for this one platforming ride of the automotive world.